What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I mean, my philosophy has always been, if you're not a baseball fan, I still think you should come to Wolf Stadium and have a good time. That's the kind of show we try to put on from... Uh, you know, the music to the entertainment to between inning promotions. I mean, we hope you get to see a win, but, you know, most of all, we want you to go home and say, man, that was a, that was a great time. I can't wait to get back. Welcome into another episode of Baseball Americas from Phenom to the Farm. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. This episode keeps up the recent theme of changing things up a little bit from usual episode structure as we are looking into life in the minor league baseball front office. Today I'm joined by Burl Yarbrough, the president of my hometown San Antonio Missions, the AA affiliate of the Padres. Burl joined me to talk about his 35-plus year career working minor league baseball, how he's seen the industry change from stadiums, promotions, player profiles, food, everything else. ton of great nuggets in this one over the 30 years he spent in San Antonio. We talk about going through an affiliate change, building a new ballpark, and how much the on-field product really matters in minor league baseball. I was thrilled to talk to Burl. Hope everyone enjoys this as well. A lot of really cool things that we can dive into and a little insight onto the other side of life in the minor leagues. Episodes of From Phenom to the Farm drop every other Tuesday. If you enjoyed this one, subscribe wherever you get your podcast and go check out past interviews. And if you haven't yet, leave a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to subscribe to baseballamerica.com and the BA podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. We are now in minor league and MLB season. Check out the prospect hot sheet, MLB fantasy baseball news, college, we're, we're bubble watch is going. I mean, we're, we're almost to the best time of the year, which is college baseball regionals, NCAA baseball tournament. A lot of good stuff there. It is always a good time to be subscribed to BA. And with that, let's talk to Burl Yarbrough. All right, joining in for today's episode of From Phenom to the Farm, our first front office staff member uh, here on the show. He is the current president of the AA San Antonio Missions, longtime uh, member of that staff, Burl Yarbrough. Burl, thank you so much for joining the show. Hey, Kyle. Great to be with you today. I'm very excited for this. Uh, I've, I've obviously known you for, for quite a long time, and, and you have been, as someone who grew up in San Antonio, you have been a staple of, of missions baseball. I, I want to go kind of, I guess, back to the beginning. When did you know you wanted to work in baseball or just in sports? You know, I, I think growing up, uh, you know, grew up in Fort Worth and, uh, uh, you know, obviously loved all sports, but uh, really baseball is, is, was, was my first love. And, uh, you know, before the Texas Rangers moved up there, we had a minor league team that played at Turnpike Stadium in Arlington, uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth Spurs. So they were there as I was growing up and playing Little League. And uh, uh, so we used to go to a lot of their games uh, uh, back in the day and just, you know, really kind of fell in love with uh, the game and 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 also the minor leagues. And uh uh, so that's, you know, really started at an early age, uh, you know, figured out pretty early that I uh, wasn't going to be good enough to play for a living. And uh, uh, but I, I certainly wanted to be around sports and uh, been very fortunate. So you graduate from UT Arlington in the early 80s. And then what is at that time, minor league baseball, it's kind of pre that 
pre-revolution of minor league baseball. What was that early career path like? I saw you had an interview with the Cowboys. Uh, yeah. What, you know, what what le- what ended up leading you into San Antonio? You know, when I when I originally graduated from from college, uh, you know, I had a friend whose father worked for the Dow, you know, uh, worked with and, and knew some people with the Dallas Cowboys. So I went and interviewed with them uh, for a job. And, you know, this was just right out of college. And and uh, I, I'm sure I was one of many, many people trying to get a job with them at the time and uh, met with one of their vice presidents. And, you know, he kind of suggested that I go back to college and get a master's degree in sports management. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, spent a few years in college and really, uh, uh, you know, wanted to get out and work for a while. So uh, I said, oh, that's nice. But, you know, I kind of put it on hold and and went out in the real world and got a job and, and worked for a couple of years. But always in the back of my mind, you know, wanted to get into sports. And, uh, you know, so I, I knew that's something that uh, was probably a, a good route to go. So uh, ended up going down to uh, got a master's in sports management uh, down in Miami, uh, Florida. And, uh uh, you know, wanted to get into baseball from there. And so, uh, uh, you know, started, uh, worked a few jobs before I made my way to San Antonio, but, uh, uh, you know, enjoyed every, every place I've been and, and learned a lot and, uh, you know, was, was really fortunate to uh, come to San Antonio in 1988. Well, when you get to San Antonio in 88, it's funny, the, the, Previous episode of the show is also not someone who's a player. It was, it was uh, ESPN's Ryan McGee, who recently wrote a book about his summer as an intern, and kind of talk about what you know, what those duties are, and that in minor leagues you have to be a, a jack of all trades. You have to do you have to do a lot, and there are people who spend one year in the minors, and then you've spent thirty plus years working in the minors and working your way up. When you get to San Antonio in 1988, that is. That is the year Bull Durham comes out. That is when minor league baseball is kind of starts to have its renaissance and come into that new age. What did your initial job duties look like in, in 1988? Well, you know, and, and I'll even go back before that. You know, uh, 1985 was my first full time year in, in baseball. And I was in Florence, South Carolina in the South Atlantic League, uh, uh, Florence Blue Jays, uh, uh, running a, a Toronto Blue Jays. I was the assistant GM to Dan Rakowski, who is now the president of Charlotte and just one of the most successful people in, in baseball. And Dan and I were a two-man staff uh, back then. And, and you know, I mean, uh, we worked together in 85. He moved on in 86. I became the GM there. And, and you know, I again, a very small staff. I worked by myself till March and brought somebody in to, to work the season with us. And, and you know, I used to think, man, we, we do everything they do in the big leagues, except, you know, we just don't have as many people, you know, I mean, and, and really when you have a staff like two people, I mean, you were absolutely doing everything from cooking hot dogs to, uh, you know, rolling the tarp and, and anything else in between. Uh, but, you know, it, it really prepared me for, you know, San Antonio. And, and when I got here, I mean, you know, we probably had a staff of six people. So, man, I, I thought we were in pretty good shape. Uh, but, you know, even to this day, you know, in minor league baseball, you wear a lot of different hats. And, you know, whether you're taking t- tickets at the gate, pouring beer, I mean, for anybody that's been in this game any length of time, you know, you've probably almost done it all. 
around 1988 too is when that the first wave of minor league stadium revolution starts and modern stadiums start being built when you get to san antonio you guys are playing an old vj keith stadium which as i got into high school and and college i ended up playing a lot of games in but that is a division two baseball stadium that has now itself been redone for for saint mary's university but as you're you're going into that you're you're working with that that kind of stadium and you know when negotiations start it's kind of a i think we'll probably circle back around to it uh towards the end of this podcast but what in what was your role in seeing new sta- a new stadium be built or you know just seeing those negotiations unfold you know, for us, you know, at, at VJ Keefe, it was a beautiful, you know, great little ballpark to watch a game. And, uh, you know, it served as the home of professional baseball in San Antonio for 25 years uh, here. So, uh, you know, when, when I got here, I mean, I knew that uh, our goal was to get a new ballpark. And so it's something that, you know, we started working on, you know, from, from day one. Uh, but you know, like anything, you got to have to kind of wait, wait till, you know, everything's right. And, uh, you know, for us, uh, we just started talking with city officials and, uh, you know, uh, Nelson Wolf, uh, uh, became mayor and was very instrumental, uh, in, in, in building this Wolf stadium that we're in now. And, uh, you know, but it was, it was a, you know, a two or three year process of, of getting into that. And, and I, I think what was good for me was, you know, I mean, when I came to San Antonio, I was young, been in the game for three years and, and my staff was very young. I mean, being at VJ Keefe, it, it just allowed us to learn the business even that much more and, and help prepare us for when we, you know, moved into a new ballpark in 1994. When that ballpark is built, what were what were the priorities like VJ Keefe again, like you said, was it was it was pretty basic. It had, you know, it had a stands. It was a nice little ballpark. I always loved playing there. Um, what were in 1994, I guess, 19, you know, early 90s when you're, when you're in the process of making this? What were the priorities like at that time? What did a stadium need to be modern? Because I, I think if I remember correctly, Wolf was the first modern Texas League stadium. So what what were the the big upgrades at that time? You know, I mean, we uh back then with city officials went and looked at some of the newer ballparks that had been built uh at that time and you know when i think about where we're at now and and where we were then you know and and some of the ballparks that have been built over the past few years i mean our business has changed a lot and the priorities are different uh you know i i think for us when we built wolf stadium in 94 i mean uh you know hospitality wasn't as big a part of our business as it is now. And I, I think, you know, you look at ballparks being built now, uh, you know, hospitality is one of the first things uh, an organization is going to think about. And that certainly wasn't at the forefront for us, you know, in 94. I mean, we're wanting seats, sky boxes, uh, you know, team facilities as far as clubhouses and, and, and things like that. So, you know, the evolution of these stadiums is, 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 you know, not that different than a computer or a, you know, an iPhone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned kind of your priorities when, if you could walk people through the, the difference between being, being high up in the MILB front office versus being in the MLB front office, what are your main focuses? Yeah. You know, I mean, we do everything a major league team does 
but sign players or hire the, the, the manager and coaches, uh, you know, so we are not responsible for, uh, you know, scouting, signing and, and developing players. Uh, we handle basically everything else that is part of this business. Uh, you know, we are in charge of the facilities. We are charged in all business aspects of ticket sales, advertising, travel, you know, everything that it takes in running a business. You know, we do everything except, you know, the player end of it. With that, I want to get into kind of the team aspect. How much of what's happening on the field affects what you guys are doing as your job, the the team winning, the talent on the team, and, and has that changed since you since you started? You know, I, I don't think it's changed a lot at this level. And in, in, in the minor leagues, you know, I mean, we don't control, uh, you know, the players or how talented our team's going to be. You know, I've always said uh, that, you know, people know who our mascot, you know, Henry the Puffy Taco is, but they may not know who our shortstop is because our shortstop really becomes famous, you know, in a year or two when he's up in the big leagues. Uh, You know, a lot of times, you know, certainly back in the, you know, back years ago, you know, when, when, you know, people didn't follow the minor leagues like they do now. Uh, you know, we'd have a guy come in town that, you know, unless you were just the most avid baseball fan, you'd have no idea who it was. Uh, but, you know, you will remember you saw him play in San Antonio when he's on TV, you know, in a couple of years. So, uh, you know, I think that part of the the business we've seen change over the years. Definitely. And I, I wanted to ask you about that, too, because like in uh, 98, Adrian Beltre was in San Antonio, but a couple years ago, Fernando Tatis Jr. played in San Antonio, and the profile of him, even as a minor leaguer, especially that that season was when he kind of blew up. Have Have you seen the difference in people who will come see him, even, you know, come see prospects, or an emphasis on your team of, hey, we have these guys, we should, you know, there's there's more opportunity to promote guys like that as they are less unknown now? Oh, no doubt. You know, with social media and, and you know, the growth that we've seen uh, of that uh, over the years, you know, getting messaging out about players. You know, I think major league organizations are better about promoting their players now than ever. And, uh, you know, uh, when I was first in this business, you know, Baseball America might have been it, you know, as far as is, is really covering minor league baseball or college or the draft and things like that. So, you know, I, I think back, you know, in 96, we had Paul Canerco here, who was a, a first round pick of, of the Dodgers. So, you know, you certainly knew of him uh, and everything when he came here. But, you know, he had a lot of players around him that were really good in the organization as well that weren't as well known, but, uh, I, I think now, uh, uh, with, uh, social media and everything, you know, the, the better players are, are certainly known as, as, as they progress up, uh, uh, the minor league chain. And so, yeah, the, the fans, uh, you know, know them and, uh, you know, we see it not only with our team, but like, you know, when Frisco comes in and they got lighter on the mound or, or, or whatever, you know, I mean, people follow, you know, other organizations and, and know when some of their prospects are going to be playing here. Mm-hmm. What else have you seen that moves the needle as far as what's happening on the field versus you guys getting butts and seats? You know, the missions, especially I think during the Seattle years, like right when I was in middle school, 
um, want you know you want some Texas League championships, and then there's also you know the occasional rehabber comes to town. Like I remember watching Cole Hamill's pitch at Wolf Stadium, um, and every now and then we get local guys. We had uh, you know you had Blake Alamond a couple years ago, who was you know from the area. He's not you know had a couple others pass through like that. So what what do you see on the field that moves the needle? Well, you know, I, I think for us, you know, winning is is really, you know, uh, it's it's great if it happens. We can never count on it. You know, I mean, people always ask, you know, hey, what kind of year are you going to have? Or, and, and I, you know, honestly, you never know from year to year, you know, how your team's going to be. And, you know, until you, and, until you go through the league and see the other teams, you know, because you could have an organization that's loaded at the double A level. Uh, whereas, you know, maybe we aren't at this time, you know, maybe the talent for San Diego is, you know, one or two, you know, levels below us, but, uh, you know, winning is nice when it happens, but, uh, you know, we've never gone into a year and, and, uh, you know, uh, promoted that, Hey, we're going to win it all because you just, you just don't know. So, I mean, I, I think that's, that's a different part of our business than the major league level. Uh, is, you know, I don't think winning is as important to our fans. I mean, uh, they come out here to have a good time and, and I don't think they live and die with every victory like you'll see at a major league level. With the, the player aspect, like, you know, we've mentioned Beltre, we've mentioned Paul Canerico, Tatis, had a lot of people come through San Antonio. Pedro was here. Mike Piazza was here. Is there when you have this year over year thing, have there been players on the missions who at, even at that time have stood out to you as this is, this is that guy. You know, I mean, being in the business as long as I have, yeah, I've seen some guys and, and uh, you, you know, there, there are certain people that their talent just really stands out. And uh, over the years, uh, you know, uh, uh, Raul Mondesi, you know, we had here, uh, you know, I had Mark Witten, uh, who had a, a nice big league career when I was uh, with the Blue Jays in, in A-ball and just, you know, the athleticism and the talent that some of these guys have is, uh, uh, you know, just incredible. And, you know, I, again, I grew up playing baseball and, and, and saw some pretty good players when I grew up in high school and, and, and college and things like that. And, you know, I mean, Kyle, you played college ball and, and, and so you, I know you saw some players, but, you know, for a guy to become a professional and move up the ladder, I, I mean, they are, there's nobody here that's not ultra talented, you know, uh, but there is on occasion, you see a Beltre, uh, Fernando Tatis that just, you know, really stands out and, and you know, they're going to go on and have a great career. Curious about your relationship with the players over the course of the career. Like you said, you guys handle travel, especially in the early, you know, it's common for you guys to point them in the direction of this is where you need to go to, to get an apartment or things like that. And I, you know, you get here in 88 as a, as a much younger man and you can, you know, you're closer to the age of the players and, and you've seen this transition. So what is, you know, how much relationship is there between the front office and the, and the players? And, and it's, it's changed over the years, you know, uh, when, when I was, you know, first in the business and, and close to their age is, is one thing, but, you know, our staffs weren't as big then. And, and, uh, you know, 
minor, you know, minor league baseball staffs weren't as big, you know, team staffs as big and, and everything. So we did a lot more for the players and had, had a lot more interaction with them, helping them find a place to live and, and, and things like that. So, uh, but now, you know, that, Things have changed uh, over the last few years and, and Major League, uh, you know, is more in control of players in minor league baseball. And, you know, now that the play, you know, players will be our union now. And and so, you know, things have changed over the years. But, yeah, we had a lot more, uh, you know, interaction and uh you know, with, with the players uh, earlier in my career than we do now. Since in your tenure, we've had uh, four different affiliates here in, um, here in San Antonio, the, the Dodgers had been a long time relationship. Um, that comes to a head in 2000. What, how much of a role do, do you guys play when there is the affiliation change? Well, I, I mean, back, you know, before, things changed, uh, you know, we would sign two or a four-year deal with a major league organization. And, you know, we had a, you, you know, you wanted to find a partner that, you know, you felt comfortable with and, and uh, you know, you felt like had our best interest at heart as long as, as well as their own. And uh, so, you know, uh, we, we was, you know, we're very involved in decisions when we changed affiliations uh, over the years. And, you know, in San Antonio, we were with the Dodgers for a long time. And then we switched and, and went with the Mariners, uh, you know, for six years and then, you know, became a Padre affiliate. And, you know, what happens, Kyle, is, you know, a, a major league team may get a new GM a new farm director and, and, you know, they change their philosophy on, on how they operate in the minor leagues. And so generally when we made a change uh, of, of, of an affiliation, it, it, it was our choice to do so. And, and it was just, you know, things had changed with uh, our relationship with the major league teams. And, uh, you know, we felt we weren't being treated the way, you know, we felt we deserved. Do you have to sell yourself to the new affiliate in that scenario? Like this is, you know, Hey, this is why you should choose San Antonio or is it, is it more kind of an understood thing of if, if the match is there, it's it, that it kind of is what it is. You know, I, I think in a lot of cases, you know, it, it, it kind of depends on the market you're in and, and, you know, what the situations are for, you know, clubs, you know, if they're somewhere where they don't want to be, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we had choices uh, pretty much every time we, we made a change. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it sometimes is relationships. Uh, when we switched to uh, become affiliated with Seattle, uh, Pat Gillick was a GM uh, at Seattle at the time. And I had worked with him uh, with the Blue Jays because I'd been part of a, a Blue Jay farm club. And so I, I knew Pat and, and knew how he ran an organization and how he treated the minor leagues. And, and so, you know, it was an easy decision for us, uh, you know, to go with uh, the Mariners at that time. Uh, Cardinals, I think were here and wanted to come in at the same time. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll never forget, you know, I mean, they both, you know, both organizations came here, we met with them and, uh, you know, we had to make a choice, uh, which one we, we wanted. We went with Seattle and, and uh, you know, had, had a great, great run with them won a couple of texas league championships but you know later pat left there uh 
and you know they got a new GM and and again you know their philosophy changed on how they were running the minor leagues and uh, so we we decided at that point to you know look around and see what else was there and and uh, you know I think we had you know three different organizations that wanted to come you know to San Antonio then and and we met with all of them and uh, uh, you know Kevin Towers was the GM of uh, the Padres then and. And, uh, you know, he came in and, and, you know, we just felt very comfortable with him and, and, and made the decision to uh, go with the Padres. With, um, the, the duty that it as you know, still, still is something you guys do hasn't changed is the the handling travel and figuring out these crazy schedules and getting players to and from and in hotels and, things were a lot different in the early nineties, as far as accessibility, check in room rates, there's no Google. Uh, can you like walk me through, you guys get the, you get the schedule, you get your team, you know, you get your, your team in 1993 and you've got to figure out how you're getting them to Corpus and how you're getting them to Midland and, and things like, like how much organization does that take? You know, I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of work that goes into it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I've been here long enough to kind of see a lot of different, uh, angles of it. And, uh, you know, when I when I was first here in San Antonio, we were flying quite a bit early in the Texas League. You know, flights weren't real expensive, and and you know, my God, I could buy I could buy Kyle Bandaho a, a, a ticket, and you know, if he gets sent off, I'll just just send you know uh, uh, somebody else in his spot, no big deal or whatever. But uh, you know, you can't do that now with airlines and, uh, but yeah, busing and, and hotels, you know, we all work together and in, in the league that we're in and, uh, uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but after doing it for so many years, uh, uh, you know, it really kind of comes, becomes routine and just a matter of a lot of detail. You got to stay on top of, of everything because you have, you know, player changes and, and sometimes you may have a manager, or, uh, you know, that wants to leave a day early and, and things like that. But, uh, uh, you know, one thing minor leagues is known for is travel and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it has been tough over the years. I can imagine. Uh, you mentioned that when you started, it wasn't as much about the hospitality aspect and that has become a huge part of minor league baseball. Um, I throw back to, uh, I, the, I think a documentary you and I have discussed the 50 summers one about the Omaha, the Omaha franchise. And they, they talked about how it's become kind of a, a carnival baseball, essentially. When did you start seeing that that was more of a priority? The, the change into this needs to be this family event and there needs to be different aspects that are beyond a baseball game and the food and beverage has to change to be a little, you know, a little more creative. Like when did you start figuring out that you had to start implementing different things into making this more of an experience? You know, I, I think really it started in, in the mid nineties and, you know, a few years after we, you know, we moved in to, to Wolf stadium uh, again, it just wasn't, the priority back when this was built or, or the other ballparks before that. But, you know, I think we discovered, uh, you know, man, it's great to sell tickets, but you know, why don't we sell food too? And, and, you know, I always had the philosophy that, you know, 
70 nights a year. I mean, we're the biggest restaurant in town. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, we are serving, uh, uh, you know, a lot of lot of hot dogs, a lot of popcorn, a lot of sodas and, and beers and things like that. Uh, so we're the largest restaurant in town. Uh, you know, when we have games and, and, you know, I, I just think things evolved and, uh, you know, talking to businesses and groups, you know, I think group business, you know, also uh, has grown over the years. Uh, uh, you know, when I first got into business, I mean, basically, you know, you're just kind of relying on walk up people coming here and, and, you know, we would sell some groups, but not, you know, not like we do now where we have a staff, you know, dedicated to, you know, calling businesses and, and, and organizations and everything. So as those in the mid nineties started, you know, we started to see uh, success that other people were having. And, and, you know, we started adding, you know, hospitality areas here at the Wolf. And uh, again, it has become, you know, uh, a big part of, of 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 our business model, and I think all the new ballparks that are being built, uh, you know, it's it's really one of the first things that people think about in a new ballpark. And a, a big part too is bringing the local into the ballpark. Like you said, when you started, it was just like hot dogs, popcorn, soda, beer, and that's stuff that you can get at, you know, can still get at any ballpark, but also a movie theater or something like that. A lot of minor league ballparks and, and you guys included bring in now have local vendors or things with local touches, local beer and things like that. How does, how do you go about kind of making those, you know, making those matches, you know, like there's the, the Bahama bucks, uh, you know, stand and things like that and local vendors and local beer and like how do you identify this this might be a good piece of san antonio to bring into our, our ballpark you know i mean we have we have bill miller you know uh, who mm -hmm. is a staple barbecue restaurant in in our area and and so they've been in our ballpark for a few years but you know barbecue something you know we wanted a ballpark but you know who, we can't do it as good as bill miller does so you know uh we started talking to them a few years ago and and they have a stand at our ballpark and so it allows us the opportunity to to bring in some some vendors that you know can can do something better than we can uh you know again we can we can do the hot dogs and nachos and things like that but you know there are some specialty items that you know i think it's 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 great if you can bring some local partners to bring in and and so i think everybody tries to do that uh, in some form or fashion, uh, you know, and, and we've been, been lucky here in San Antonio to have a few really good partners. Something else that teams have to do and has, you know, started over the course of your run is the, the promotional aspect, theme nights on field entertainers that, you know, everything. And that, and I, I want you to walk me through first. I want to know some of your favorite entertainers and on field events and the history of that. But I, I want you to walk me through what I think is one of the more successful things that any minor league team has ever done. Walk me through the flying chanclas. Well, you know, I mean, that's been something that has changed our business uh, and has, you know, been one of the most rewarding things that, uh, you know, I think we've done in, in, in my uh, time here in San Antonio. But, uh, you know, minor league baseball wanted to do an initiative to reach out to the Hispanic uh, culture, which uh, is a, a you know something in San Antonio that 
you know, we've always been very involved in, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a group effort on our staff, uh, you know, uh, as minor league baseball was adding teams to do that, uh, you know, try to get that identity that each market tries to get. And, uh, you know, our guys were, you know, our staff was around a conference table and throwing around ideas and trying to come up with a name uh, uh, that we felt would, uh, you know, be, you know, fit in here in San Antonio. And uh, our GM, Dave Gassaway, you know, came up with flying chocolates. And, uh, you know, I, I got it. I, I, I you know, I, I, we'd been talking about it for several weeks and hadn't really come up with the right one. And, and I actually wasn't here the day that, that, you know, they came up with that. And, and, uh, you know, they, they called me and said, Hey, we think we got it. And, and told me what it was. And, you know, I mean, my first reaction was, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I didn't want to offend anybody. And, and so I said, let me, let me think about it or whatever. And, and, and Dave, you know, went home and talked to his wife, who's Hispanic and, and she kind of, you know, wasn't sure about it or whatever, but, you know, I, I think I took about a day and, and called him back and, and said, man, I, I think that that is good. And uh, so we went with it and man, it's, 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 it's been one of the greatest things that uh, has happened to this uh, organization. I, I think it is safe to say that you see flying Chonkla's merch around the city even more than, than missions merch. It is anytime you go to a game, the line at the, the flying Chonkla's merch tent is just, it's always long. And it is, it has just been a joy and it been able to, also, you know, using it during the COVID year as the the collegiate league team and and things like that. It was just it's one of my one of my favorite parts about um, about missions baseball. But with on field promotions, again, I, I kind of want to throw you back into how you've seen this develop. I always think of like Star Wars Day as the quintessential minor league promotion. You know, have someone dressed in a stormtrooper outfit, probably just sweating every ounce of water weight they have. But what? You know, at, at, when did you guys start implementing promotions, and were, were there ones that stood out to you as you know favorites, or ones that were just a com, a complete bust? You hear all stories about guys just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> oh, there's there's no doubt, you know, and 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 things work differently in different markets, you know. But I, I mean, I I've, I've been in the business long enough where Max Patkin, who you know was in Bull Durham. Uh, man, he was one of the first touring acts ever, uh, you know, the, the flying or, you know, the famous chicken, uh, you know, had him many, many times, you know, Myron Noodleman. Uh, so, you know, I mean, there's a lot of those that we've done over the years, uh, you know, promotional giveaways is, is really a, a big thing. And, you know, we've seen those change over the years for us here in San Antonio, I mean, we have discovered our Jersey giveaways are are the biggest thing that we do. And, uh, you know, so I'd say for the last half dozen years, you know, we give away about four jerseys a year. And uh, we had our first one uh, last homestand, which uh, we, we gave away a Fiesta jersey, which for those of you from in San Antonio, you know 
what Fiesta is all about here and uh, kind of our Mardi Gras, how I explain it to people. And, uh, uh, you know, it was just a fantastic night because uh, our jerseys are, are a big, big thing. But, you know, we've, we've done many, many things over the years. Some work, some don't. And, uh, uh, you know, I think the great thing about our business is is we all share ideas, you know. I mean, we're in different markets all over the United States, but, you know, what they do in Amarillo really is not going to affect what I'm doing here. So we've always over the years shared a lot of ideas and, and you know, if, if somebody comes up with something new and successful, we let, you know, we let everybody know about it and, uh, you know, so we can try it in, 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 in in this market or whatever. Uh, and, and that's been very helpful over the years, just the communication we have with, with, uh, you know, other clubs and other executives. Uh, so would you say minor league baseball is kind of a rising tides lift all boats things? Like everyone's, everyone's working together in that regard, no real rivals. You know, I, I'm not going to say there's not a few rivals because we've had some over the years, but I think business wise, you know, you do work together and, you know, as a league, I've, I've always seen that. And as an industry, we do, but, you know, I mean, Hey, I, when we were, you know, when, when Ramrock was in the Texas league, I mean, believe me, we wanted to, they were a rival, you know, El Paso for years was a big rival of, of ours. Now it's probably Corpus uh, uh, and everything. So yeah, there's some rivalry there and, you know, everybody wants to be the best, but uh, you know, I think this is an industry that everybody's very willing to share uh, their ideas with each other. And I, I think it's, it, it makes everybody better. Have there been any, promotions that you guys have tried that stick out to you as just an even increased level of weird or something you thought was going to work that completely whiffed like is there you know over 30 years are there any strange ones you know i mean we've never been real big into you know i mean there are some people that you know really turn it into you know carnival circus type uh events and and you know we've never really done a whole lot of that here uh, but, you know, I understand that it works. And again, some markets are different, you know, I mean, there are things that, you know, they do in Little Rock, Arkansas that I don't think I could get away with here. And, uh, you know, so we, we don't try, but, you know, Hey, I, I love to see people try new ideas. Uh, uh, you know, there are some that I would like other people to try first. And then if it works, then I, you know, I might be interested, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, I, I think that's a part of the business. And, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, winning and losing. And, you know, I, I mean, my philosophy has always been, you know, if you're not a baseball fan, I still think you should come to Wolf Stadium and have a good time, you know, and, and that's the kind of show we try to put on from, uh, you know, the music to the entertainment to, you know, the between inning promotions. I mean, you know, uh, we hope you get to see a win, but you know, most of all, we want you to go home and say, man, that was a, that was a great time. I can't wait to get back. Yeah. My kid got to karate chop a puffy taco once and that had nothing to do with baseball and he had the time of his life. So I think that that quantifies minor league baseball in, in every sense. But with that kind of jumping into the present day and I mean, this year games are shorter, the, the pitch clock and, and, things had been trending that way in, in the minor leagues earlier. Like I remember going to a game last year with a pitch clock in effect and just being like, wow, that, that flew by. It's for me, it's great on TV. 
But if I'm driving out, if I'm driving out to Wolf, I would like to stay there and enjoy myself a little bit longer. I don't care as much how much, you know, I'm not watching commercials at home. So I don't really, you know, it doesn't really bother me. How have you guys adapted? What are you seeing? And and I'm sure that's a, a constant thing of trying to, you know, minor league baseball is always adapting. So what what have been the early steps and what do you see moving forward? You know, I mean, I, I think that's one of the things, you know, minor league baseball, you know, we've been you know, doing some experiments for MLB that, uh, you know, they, they are trying out in the minor leagues and, and several of them now they have taken up to the, to the big league level. But, you know, I, I think a few years ago, you know, when they started the ghost runner at, at, in, in the 10th inning, you know, I mean, I, I certainly was not for it at the time and, and, uh, you know, didn't didn't know you know how it would go over uh with the fans even but I, I gotta tell you I love it now uh and and you know I mean for somebody that has you know we had a 26 inning game here one time you know and I, I I've had a lot of we had a lot of you know long games over the years 21 innings 18 innings you know knowing that you're not going to be here all night uh is is okay and the fact that you know you can have a winner a, a lot quicker uh i i like but uh you know i i think the uh the clock uh you know you got bigger bases now at this level to try to to uh you know create more offense more stolen bases uh the shift change uh i like those you know i mean uh uh, as, as, you know, watching so many left-handed hitters, you know, get robbed by hitting a bullet to short right field, you know, uh, get out at first base, just, you know, never seemed fair to me. And so I think a lot of these things that, you know, we have seen over the last few years, uh, you know, will make this game better. Yeah. As someone whose favorite team employs Joey Gallo, I'm a huge fan of getting rid of the shift, uh, <laughs> but it, with that, you know, you've, uh, You've been, you know, you've been in San Antonio. You stayed for over thirty years. You've raised your kids here. You now have a grandson who's at the stadium all the time. Baseball is, in sports in general, are not typically associated with longevity or being in one place. Think about all the players who come through and and you know managers and coaches and things like that. What has kept you in San Antonio for over thirty years? Well. I, I love my job. You know, I mean, I, I, I tell people I've, I've never really felt like I had a job, you know, I mean, uh, I get to come to a ballpark every day and, uh, uh, you know, it's just something I've, I've always been blessed. I've got a great staff that works here and I, I've got a number of them that have been with me over 20 years. And, uh, you know, I, I think our culture is, is as good as, as any organization going, you know, uh, we really enjoy what we do. We enjoy uh, putting a good show on for the, the the baseball fans of San Antonio, and 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 love what we do, and and you know love the sport. Uh, so you know, I, I think it's a combination of of all those things over the year. Uh, you know, uh, I grew up again going to games, minor league games, as as you know, as a little leaguer, and and you know, I'm very proud of the history and tradition that San Antonio has. You know, I mean, our business, you know, dates back to 1888 when the Texas League first started. And, you know, there's not a lot of businesses uh, in this city that have been around as long as we have. So, you know, I, I just feel like I'm a steward, you know, for this organization and this this industry in San Antonio. And, and uh, it's it's been a, a wonderful run. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
Uh, I worked for one owner for 35 years, and now this year uh, our club was sold in November. And, uh, uh, you know, I think the future is very, very bright for this organization. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, the next few years as, as I, I think we move on to the next step. You're doing my transitions for me because I, I was going to mention that now in San Antonio, we have arguably the best pickup basketball team ownership group in, in minor league baseball. But uh, with that baseball in San Antonio moving forward, I have long held that we are a super underrated sports city. Um, I mean, we packed the Alamo Dome for the uh, the that AAF football league that was doomed. All the other stadiums were empty and San Antonio packed out the Alamo Dome for that. So I, I know a stadium is is something that has been constantly mentioned it's always in the paper it's you know i talk first first thing when the new ownership group is taking place that's what the stories are about where do you where do you see baseball in san antonio in 10 years well you know i i think uh you know first and foremost with you know with with the new ownership and having local ownership for the first time since the early 80s uh you know this group bought this this ball club uh you know with with one goal in mind, and that is to build it, get a new ballpark uh, in downtown San Antonio. And, and uh, uh, you know, I think this is the right group to make that happen. Uh, you know, and so that is certainly what, you know, the goal is over the next few years to, to uh, figure out how to make that happen. Uh, you know, so we're, we're going to be here at Wolf Stadium for a few more years. This is our 30th year. Uh, at at the Wolf this year, and uh, you know, business has has never been better. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think uh, Jackie, we have continued to grow uh, over the years, and and business has you know our support uh, you know among fans and 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 local businesses has uh, has has grown year to year. But uh, I think now with uh, local ownership and with some of the members of the ownership group we have, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an exciting time, uh, uh, for the future of, of baseball here in San Antonio. Absolutely. So as we wrap, I, every guest gets this question. If you were to give yourself a, a pep talk back when you back at like 22 or he, even heading into this job, you, you know, first day at San Antonio, what would that pep talk look like? Man, I, I tell you, I would have never, you know, I, I, I would never have guessed that I would be here as long as I as I was. But, you know, I, I think one thing I, I, I learned, you know, before I came here was, you know, just to, you know, work as hard as you can and 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 try to outwork, you know, the the other people. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I I had some really good people that 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 taught me the business that I learned from and, you uh, uh, you know, I think since I've come to San Antonio, I, I, I wanted to create a staff that, uh, you know, felt the same way and had the same goals and 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 that we all work together to, uh, you know, get better every year. And that's always been our goal here in San Antonio to improve year to year to year to year. And uh, I think we've been able to accomplish that, but I still think there's still a long way to go. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of, of, of uh, you know, this organization. A little rapid fire for you, then I'll let you get out of here. Would you rather attend the morning day kids game, the morning kids day game, or an extra inning game? Uh, extra inning. Favorite concession food? Oh, uh, you know, out here at Wolf Stadium, kettle corn. 
Mm, I, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, favorite minor league ballpark that is not Wolf Stadium? Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Just beautiful downtown ballpark. Uh, man, it's, it's one that I would love to see in San Antonio. I think that is back-to-back wins for Charlotte in that question on this podcast. Uh, best mission you've ever seen? Man, that's a, that's a good question because I've seen a, a lot of great players. Uh, I'm going to say the most talented guy I saw here when they were in this Texas league might have been Raul Mondesi. Uh, last one. Do you have a nightmare pulling the tarp story? Oh, <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I've gone flying in the air, uh, you know, uh, pulling a tarp before I've had, I've had, uh, staff members rolled up like a sausage dog, you know, in the tarp. So, uh, you know, I, I think the nightmare is just, you know, wind and rain at the same time. You know, I, I think the, the, the trick is to get this thing down before, you know, the weather gets too bad, but, uh, every once in a while, you got to put it down when the wind's blowing, you know, 50 miles an hour. And, and, and that's when it gets dangerous. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I've been part of a lot of tarp tarp pulls and, uh, uh, it's something I think everybody should experience at least once. I agree. It, uh, pulling tarp builds character, uh, bro, Yarbrough, that's all I've got for you. Thank you so much for joining from Phenom to the farm. Thanks Kyle. It's great to be with you. You got it. And that's it for today's episode from Phenom to the Farm. Huge thanks to Burl Yarbo for stopping by, talking us through his career. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And we will be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening.